Hi, it's Lucy and welcome back to another episode of the Real Girls Club, my podcast where I interview women working in different careers in cinema. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Masha Novikova. Masha is a Ukrainian film director and writer born and raised in a Jewish-Ukrainian family of artists in Kiev, Ukraine. After studying fine arts in Munich in Germany, she moved to London to do a master's in filmmaking at the London Film School. This is where she made her graduation short film, Glorious Revolution, which won third prize at the 75th Cannes Film Festival this year in the Cine Fondation section. In today's conversation with Masha, we talked all about what it was like to grow up in a family of artists, what inspired her to make Glorious Revolution, and also her advice for future directors. Thank you for listening, and I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi. I'm sorry, I have a bit of a cold. So um, if my voice sounds a bit funny, then that's that's why. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Uh, I appreciate you still, despite of this cold, you find time to speak to me. <laughs> I am actually, I, uh, I just want to say a few words. I'm currently watching live stream from Putin, just uh, so you know where you've <laughs> Yes, because now today he's going to announce a few things that will apparently change the yeah the next the, the next, war yeah yeah he, he, he well I mean to some people I don't know he, he seems quite unpredictable um, a loose cannon if you could say that absolutely yes so how how are you doing other than feeling unsettled about what's going on. How are you feeling in terms of I mean it's been a few months now since well more than a few months since can. So how has yes. how things changed for you since then? You you mean more like professionally how things changed for me? Or yeah, I I think um, Can is obviously a really good uh, platform to discover new talents, uh, speak about topics, things, you know. But at the very end, you are basically there where you started. You just have. A few friends from the from the film school, from the people you met there, with whom you literally just start from the very beginning. And mm-hmm. um, sure, like uh, this award and atten- all the attention helps me. But I feel just as before it's all happened. I even think that new difficulties and new problems um, appeared because of that. Oh, because really? probably more. Yes, I think so. Yeah. You know, I, I had a very, very abstract idea of what what the big fest festivals are and what are they, what they actually are for filmmakers. I thought it's, a, you know, it's a career development. It's a huge step. It, it really is. But it's also, you know, it's like you look at the, I don't know who, who said that, but you look at the ceiling, but as soon as you reach it, it becomes the floor. <laughs> so... So yeah, now um, I am like literally like, you know, I'm looking at something new, which is uh, not in the short film uh, area where I feel myself really familiar and know how to make how to make short films. But yes, so it's it's a really interesting time for me because I, I feel that, you know, like a butterfly, I need to become something like a new form of life. <laughs> But I'm quite, I'm actually still uh, eating uh, a leaf, <laughs> the old good leaf, but mm-hmm. everybody wants me to fly, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I don't know how to fly. I never did it. I think it's a great, like, to be absolutely honest, it's a, it's a big challenge for filmmakers because suddenly after all this uh, 
you know, the, re the industry is, is not welcoming for the new filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And the general answer is always no. Any time, you know, how many years I've been applying for so many festivals. I almost developed uh, my attitude to rejections. But suddenly you get selected and recognized and wins an award. And it looks for you like you are a filmmaker. <laughs> but it's actually the same work as I did earlier. I'm, I'm still not a filmmaker. Like I'm still uh, struggling with the same... Uh, no, only the, you know, the stakes are higher. I, I think to sum up everything, I think still after all of that, uh, I feel it's all up to me. And uh, can helps in in the sense of you can use it in your bio and may I mention somewhere, but it's very much that's it. <laughs> and there is some, uh, a short period of time where uh, until the next gun film festival where there's some interest and tension around you. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying just not, just not to lose it. But it's, it's pretty much just a few people who believe, believe in you and uh, same as after finishing film schools, you, in most of the cases, you just, you take the knowledge, but you also, the most precious thing that you take, you just take this relationship that you developed during your studies. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's quite true for a lot of artists that, I mean, yeah. ultimately, when you finish one project, it's like, well, whether you're a musician or an artist, once you've done the festivals or you've done the touring, it's like, well, what's next? So yeah. I think that is just the sort of life of an artist, really. It's always about what's next. What am I going to work on next? Because you know you can't keep focusing on the last project um yeah. what's this saying you can't be as good as you're not as you're not not as good as your your last work oh, I can't remember what it is but anyway <laughs> something like that so yeah before can I mean like what what led you up to that moment of making a film at can what led you into filmmaking when I was 19 years old and in my early 20s I just wanted to leave the kind of leave Ukraine become independent I had a very abstract idea uh, of going going to Germany and studying fine arts and becoming a, as I thought, abstract painter because abstract painting seemed to me as something super modern, you know. And I just did it, and um, probably because you know you have this as a you have it you have it as a courage, you know, like a courage. I can do it. Uh, and courage, yeah. Courage, yes, I can do it. And uh, so I applied to universities in Germany with my paintings, um, but they nobody replied and I was very upset and I decided, you know, I don't understand why I really believe in what I do. I will go first and do a social work year and drive from, <laughs> from Germany and really speak to these people and ask them why they think that I am not, yes, that my works are not good enough to study at the art um, university. So I did that and then I understood about the system and that's, you know, sending works in Germany, trying to enter an art university makes absolutely no sense because the classes are divided by each professor has a class and you have to talk to him because they, they very much select uh, works, but also people they want. So you have to go to these interviews and introduce yourself. And I didn't know it. You know, I always, when I first applied, I was 18. Mm -hmm. And then 
I studied to, at the Fine Arts at the Munich uh, Fine Art Academy, and it was also it was a really long long journey. And I realized that I always want something more. And through the my teacher advised gave me advice to try video art, and I just saw just you know by making it, I saw that it's much much more interesting. It's, it just opened a new field for me to explore. Mm-hmm. And because I could, by, by this time, I could already draw and paint. And there was, it was not so much for me to explore in this because my, my parents are, uh, are artists. So I could do it. Um, and yes, and it opened the new field. And this wanting something more is uh, simple. But of course, I wanted also to say something, you know, but I'm very grateful for this time in Germany because it gave us time to look at images, to look at uh, art, to look at you know, this whole, this whole knowledge, the package of knowledge that I have in visual arts mm-hmm. really makes, I, I believe, and many people say it also, this really, this, this makes the films I make um, different from, from many others. So you said yeah. you, you, you grew up in a family of artists, your parents were artists, but then yes. you got more interested into video art. So first of all, how did your parents inspire you and um, what kind of art did they do? Did they encourage you to go into art as well or is it just because they did it? And um, secondly, did you feel like you could express something through film and video that you couldn't through painting and drawing? Yes, I, I grew up in my parents' atelier, like a studio. So making art was something, it, it was not something unique, it was just a something that I saw every day. Yeah, it, it was the norm for you. It was the norm. And uh, my, my parents, they painted, they they worked in the Soviet uh, tradition. So it was a very realistic uh, post-Soviet art. But as uh, the Soviet Union yeah, has collapsed in the, in, the, in the modern, like in the 90s in Ukraine, each of my parents started to develop their own style. But it couldn't be associated with any known styles in Europe because it was very much uh, this. This is just something based on uh, realistic art, but uh, that we didn't have such um, you know art waves as in as in, in Europe that we could say my parents belong to this or that uh, art group. They they very much try to uh, develop it for something that they they knew something unique. And to your second question, why video art? Probably as a person, I have a tendency to become more and more radical and maybe more and more um, just know more what I want to say and become more and more confident. And I think um, first, sure, I I just did it because it was um, my my parents uh, did it and I learned it because they wanted to give me something I can make a living with. And uh, in the 19s, my, my parents really could do the living by painting pictures and selling them. I think I discovered this already uh, in Germany during my, my art studies, that video that I have this, like, you know, I, I have just in my head, I, I have images that I, I, that I really imagine. And I, I have a very vivid imagination. And then after that, I just have this desire to bring these images alive. Then at the LFS, I learned how to a feeling, a statement, uh, a message to these images. Because I really struggled at the film school, that, not the, at the art school, that 
I was producing these images, but they were really, you know, atmospheric. Everybody said, oh, it's so, it's so atmospheric. It's really like, uh, it's something like, it's about this place or about this or about that. But, you know, it didn't have a, a narrative structure and it didn't have any, you know, like pushing uh, what is in the heart of it. It didn't have any message. It was just as many video art is you have, you enter the room, you you spend a few, I don't know, well, some video works you have to watch from the beginning to the end. But most of the video art is you, you enter the installation and you can spend as much time as you want or you can leave immediately and, and it doesn't require. And it's just about experiencing this place and uh, which I am. I am also trying, you know, thinking about my new work. I'm thinking of using this methods, you, you know, to apply it to the filmmaking you know, inviting the audience into what the video art always do, like engaging into the events, how how I can use it in, in my work. So I think that the, the, the main desire was to add uh, a meaning to the images and to have this meaning very concrete, even though it's, it's, it's sometimes uh, like in the Glorious Revolution, the ending is also more or less an, an open ending. But, but I think the message of the film is clear, like, the theme of many of my works, this ambivalent with a known country, with patriotism, but with many other things in, a, you know, in an attempt to, to give a, you know, broader image. It's interesting that you say that because um, I remember reading ages ago about, uh, I think David Lynch said something similar. He studied fine art or painting yeah. and then he went into video art because he, I think he probably felt at some point he felt a bit um, like he came to sort of wall, like he couldn't do as much, he couldn't express as much or do as much as he wanted with just painting he had. And then it's essentially what movies is, especially when they're animated, it's like a moving painting anyway. And you can do so much more with it and say much, so much more. And It's true. It's true. Many people are coming from the, with the art background or journalists or it's always good you know whenever you bring on table it's something that you have in your hands right yeah I mean yeah you don't have to be a director from like you know from day one you know you can have cut it's, it's interesting when when directors have come from different backgrounds as you say journalists or painters or so you mentioned your film uh glorious revolution which i just watched before this interview um oh, the second time because i the first time i watched it was like months ago so i was like i need to re-watch it because i want to see if i pick up on anything else that i didn't from the first time but first i'd like to ask you where the idea came from was it a true story and why was this story important for you to tell? Firstly, I uh, participated in all revolutions in the modern, in the independent Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We had Orange Revolution and we had the Revolution of Dignity. I already studied in Germany, but I came for a couple of days and I, I was there to, together with these people before it's all escalated. And then it's all started to escalate in February. I don't quite remember, was it there or in the news? I heard the story of uh, Sergei Bondarev and his mother and uh, how she was faced with uh, red tape everywhere. And the story really stayed with me because I thought it's such a nice um, setup to speak about why these ideas on Maidan, the people are always fighting for good, for democratization, for better life. Mm-hmm. But why why it's never why it stays on always there and never goes to you know further. And I thought, you know, this story of her facing all this error and injustice 
and deception, it's all so good because it shows, on the one hand, it shows why why it's not working, why Ukraine, Ukraine can't become a democratic country. But on the other hand, it shows also the will for change. Mm-hmm. So it shows that despite of all these difficulties and on her way, she still believes. And I did a big research and I realized, unfortunately, the real mother didn't want to speak to to anybody about this because it was in the news. Uh, then I realized that the, 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 the articles that were written were all not... They just picked something they wanted to pick. And I really, you know, I I just respected the, their will not to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Because, they didn't, because they, didn't, they didn't talk to anybody. And then I, um, you know, I tried, I thought maybe it's a documentary story. You know, this idea always was in my mind, but I never, at some point, I just realized that it's much more about me than about, it's not a documentary, it's a film more about myself and my own relationship with my own uh, Maidan and my own country. And then something similar happened to my grandmother and my mother. She died in Kiev and my my mother was faced with uh, this pretty much the same situation when um, in order to uh, bury my our grandmother, like it, it was very, uh, to put it short, uh, my, my mother was required to show a document mm-hmm. from the 50. And this is just not, this is not possible. You know, this is not, you know, these documents don't exist anymore. But this is just a, it was a death certificate of my grand-grand-grandfather. It doesn't exist anymore. So basically it was just, all these rules are made for bribes. Because you you just, the, the only way you can actually do, uh, and it was our family plot. It was the, the plot of my, our family on the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't bury our grandmother there because we didn't have this paper. You know, the re- the rules are written for corruption, basically. Now I knew the story through my mother, which was not just something, you know, quite abstract from the news. It now became, uh, you know, I interviewed my mother. I went to the places where she went. For example, this character of Natalia, the cemetery officer, uh, is uh, written from re- from real person. Mm. I don't know if she still works there. Um so it just gave the story an insight, and also I found my own, you know, I found what, what interested me in this story. We'll be right back after this short break, and why not take this moment to quickly subscribe to this podcast so you can be informed of all future episodes, and please also leave us a star rating, which helps other people find the podcast too. It's interesting, you know, that you you chose this this story to tell. And as you say, it's not just war that is a problem for Ukraine. It's also the corruption that's going on. But you, you, I read in one of your interviews that you said that quite a lot of films from Ukraine approach Ukraine in like a patriotic way. Yeah. Whereas this film doesn't do that. Or do you think maybe you think it does do that? I mean, it's not necessarily showing Ukraine in like a positive light. Like it's showing that things are difficult there. And I mean... I don't feel understand what why is there corruption why why can't you just let someone that from your family be buried where you want them to be buried for me that seems very strange and also I found it interesting in the film 
yeah, how she just kept going and, and then at the end she got essentially what she was she wanted or what she thought she wanted and then it still it, it wasn't right. And also what else I found interesting and interesting, sorry, was that her son, he was fighting while he was alive and it also seems like he was fighting while he yeah. was dead as well, which is a really, really strange thing. And then it just gets passed down to whoever's in the family and then they have to fight for them. So I just thought that was very bizarre like you know that he unfortunately had to fight in his life and also fight in his death but yeah do you think it has a patriotic way of showing Ukraine and what do you mean by that like why why do other directors show Ukraine in a positive patriotic way and why is that not right or do you think your version of showing Ukraine is more accurate more powerful you know now during the war we you know, to speak about this, it's a different time now. It's more about the survival of Ukraine as a country. I'm not sure because I, I was never told so, but I don't think that Ukrainian likes to speak about something that not only shows the good side, but also the bad side. So, and this is something what I mean by patriotic, because after Maidan and even more now, you know, it's always easier to belong to the group of I don't know, Ukrainian filmmakers just showing things black and white. And if you think, speak about corruption, this is something that I think many Ukrainians might interpret as, as an attempt to show Ukraine and Maidan in a, in the way uh, that Russia was basically showing that this is something... Um, like a flaw or a flawed yeah. country. Yes. And they don't this want is... to be seen as weak, especially not right now, I don't think. Yeah, to be seen as uh, seen as weak, and you know, and for me, why, why, why it was so important for me as a all this time because I, I thought this is the this is the key why why Ukraine can't change. Like if we leave this war now aside, for example, Ukraine wins the war in a year or even in a couple of months. But this is also the reason why I will never return to this country because. Unfortunately, nothing will change, and the corruption is not uh, is not going to disappear. I think I re- I believe people will adapt to this new European rules or will find ways around them. Was was there ever a moment that you felt you were worried about telling this story? You that you would have backlash or something from Ukrainian government or not the government? I mean, maybe they wouldn't have seen it, but did you have any sort of worry about? Just telling the story um, or you, you never felt like it was you felt like it was the right thing to do ultimately I like personally I don't think that um, Ukrainian government ever cared about uh, <laughs> about uh, filmmakers what are they doing <laughs> you know also speaking talking about my 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 films I now I really select subjects very carefully because I understand if you make the film about corruption, this is something where that will obviously happen to you <laughs> when you shoot. So it was, it's a very different system in Ukraine. And uh, many times I felt that I am this mother making this film. I don't know. I don't want to, to say a lot about the, you know, the situations that we had on set, not only on set, but in the production. But I feel that people less cared about the subject but more cared about what can they get from all of that because it was the london film school and suddenly they thought that i'm really rich and i'm really not 
and many times I just felt myself every day like in a situation where I thought they just want to find out how much I can give and how you know and because they also realized very quickly that it's very important for me it's my graduation film it's uh, I really want to make this story and and yes, and the budget, the the part of the Ukrainian budget was, uh, I think now I can I can speak about that. It's it's double from what we planned. I just experienced what I was uh, tried to say in my film. I, I experienced all this corruption. As it was sort of your first real time being on a on a set with actors and on location and you know doing your graduation film. Like, how did you get confidence in this in the role as a director? How did you approach the role? And did your lessons from your masters help you to 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 gain that? Or were you on set and you just sort of learned it as you went along? You know, I think before LFS, I thought filmmaking is is an art, but it's just different medium of art. But actually studying at the studying at the LFS, I realized that the director, it's still art, and art is a part of it, a big part of it. But the role of the director is it's a very good in English, especially because it's really about the direction every minute, which direction this should take. When you ask me about the confidence, the confidence is something that uh, at the beginning you do things. Um, intuitively I, I'm, I still don't have a great experience making my choices this is all very much based on just intuition in terms of confidence I that they have this ground confidence in the uniqueness of the not uniqueness but the I when that they have this ground feeling that something is in this in this story that is so unique I have never seen it before and if I trust it I have this, you know, overall feeling inside me that this is all worth uh, doing and uh, making. And then after that, I can hesitate every day and uh, have my ups and downs and be unconfident and sad or confident or very upset and uh, think that uh, nothing works. But I, if, if this ground belief in the, I would say probably this theme of the film I think I think it's not the story itself. It's just the, something the theme that I that I think um, is there. Then 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 it's easy because if it's not there, everything falls apart. The school is very practical. We could shoot many film exercises. We could um, change switch the roles. So I'm really grateful to the LFS. I think I'm really grateful for my very. You know, not for the project that for the projects that went very smooth and without any difficulties. But I'm really grateful for this difficult projects. Mm-hmm. And once I did a film where all the unit was of Chinese students and they all spoke Chinese and wanted to shoot another film, and I was a director uh, and I, and my DP was uh, was uh, Chinese. The producer was Chinese. Everybody was Chinese. And I had, in the years, I still managed to do uh, an interesting work. So I think this is this is really what I learned at the LFS is this, you know, you have to fight and as a director. And there are no really, you know, excuses by saying, oh, it was 
I was in this in this situation. That's why I couldn't find how to solve it. You always have to find a way. And this yeah. is what I think the directing is about, like to find the feel the feel the moment, find the right situation, even if you don't know if it's right or not, but at least you know it's like with with stakes also. You may not be confident or may not know what is right, but at least you have to know do I have options there? Do I have two options that I will use at the end? So yes, we learn to find, to fight. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's when you have to face challenges that you really grow the most probably yeah and that's and that's when you get your confidence because you you overcome a challenge and then you you feel proud of yourself or you feel yeah, you just feel more confident in being able to get through yeah. a different situation what are you working on next then or currently I, I really believe in this idea and I really think that it is a very interesting but at the same time I'm super I'm not scared, but I'm. I just realize how difficult the fe- feature films are. Mm-hmm. I'm writing. I'm developing a feature film with the title uh, "Parodies," and this is uh, going to be a romantic comedy. But actually, it's an anti-romantic comedy. So I'm trying to invent a different film genre. Well, not a different film genre, but I'm taking the genre that is already known. Mm-hmm. But as an artist, I, uh, by the theme of the film, I slightly changed the, the direction. So this is, this is an autobiographical story about me and the film. And it's now at the synopsis stage. So I'm writing the first draft. Can I say it's so challenging? Just fingers crossed mm-hmm. that it really comes alive in a couple of years. Where do you go to for your own inspiration? Do you have directors that you admire, films that you turn back to art that you look at that you use to sort of fuel your own creativity or is it very much like a solo thing like you don't you kind of shut out all outside noise and inspiration and you focus on your own story when I'm I I prefer to watch films in during the festivals because you are in this mood when you watch three sometimes even if it's a smaller festival where the locations are not far from each other you can may really make uh, two weeks of watching five day five films every day and just mm-hmm. collecting all these images and knowledge. And I don't know if I use them as an inspiration, but I I more analyze things. If and if I if I like something, I I try to find out why I liked it. What 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 did this images and sound do to me? I think I try to, like, on the one hand, it's with this film, it's these are my own uh, memories, and this is the main source of inspiration. It's just my own past. But also, you know, when you work on the script and you have a like problem or you feel like something needs to be changed or this character is not developed, suddenly it doesn't matter what are you watching, but if you, you know, your brain continues to watch, and it c- can be also just YouTube videos. Or in the news, you suddenly see a, a person who is exactly the one you're writing about. And this is just my own, you know, my, my own working style. I quite like uh, writing down things. Like, so I can just download this YouTube interview or video from somebody and just start to write it down on paper. 
And when I'm writing down, uh, suddenly I, I, I see or I hear something or some other, like it's just, this is just my, how my brain works. Like I, I suddenly new ideas come to my mind because writing takes longer than just watching. And yeah, so I do like audio recordings, then listen to them and write them down. And when I write them down, suddenly I see, oh, really, this is what he said. And I really, I really didn't hear it when I was talking to him. When we listen to somebody, how many things we don't hear or we tend to focus on some, you know, big messages people are saying to us. So this is probably the main source of inspiration for me. I, I always start with my films, uh, with uh, images that uh, brain generates them. And another thing I, I make this research, I do recordings if it's a real person and then I listen to these recordings for hours and I write them down. Do you also do storyboarding? I think I read that in one of your articles that you do storyboarding as well. That was my starting point at the Fine Art Academy. I thought if I paint every shot this is going to be a film <laughs> because I was thinking very much as a painter. I thought you know film is a is thousand images actually <laughs> images. So Yes, I, I storyboard. And then when I started filmmaking, I realized that painting and camera work are, this is all good, but it's a different area. You cannot completely imply one to another. It helps. And I do storyboards, but I don't do storyboards for every shot now. I just take some parts of it or some images that are important to me. I normally ask at the end of the podcast, you know, what, what what my guests' favorite films are, um, and I was wondering actually if you have a couple of films that you saw in Cannes that you really liked. If you had time to see many films while you were there, in the interesting conclusion, it was my first time in Cannes, and I managed to see some films, but sure, not so many. This is my personal conclusion after Cannes. Suddenly, I realized that the quality of the good film is being disturbing. In this or that sense. What do you mean and by that? I mean, if people leave the room complaining <laughs> and saying that this film was very bad. It's a good sign. It's a good sign. <laughs> because actually these stories, they really, you know, they stay with you. Because there, there was something that really disturbed you. That there was something. Like, we didn't see many films, but we, we saw the film of Claire Denis, Stars at Noon. And when we left the room, I thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't like it. But surprisingly, after the after the screening, I continued thinking about this. I really liked Close by uh, Lucas Don't for its simplicity. I liked uh, also Corsage. I think the the leading the performance was just absolutely out, outstanding. My favorite film was um, Otto de Montagne. And I, I really like some shorts from the official shorts competition. I just okay. want to thank you for uh, this conversation, for talking to me. It's well, also important. It helped me also to figure out a couple of things. I think. Good, <laughs> just like a therapy session. I think you're a very good interviewer because. Oh, you do. Thank you. And that is exactly when Zoom decided to cut out our call after 40 minutes. So I do apologize for that slightly abrupt ending. However, I do really hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you learned something from it. And thank you for listening. I'll see you in the next one.